been a fan of music. You feel me? So it's like, music always been my thing. I always, but I always moved up to like the hustlers in my neighborhood. I really like the rappers. The rappers like the music went with it, but like, I always moved up to the hustlers. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. We've got Tony and Mo on the line with the Social Distancing uh, Podcast. And uh, we've got a special guest, thanks to Tony, uh, coming in today. Uh, his name is Sinclair Wheeler. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read his bio. It says, in the last decade, multi-talented instrumentalist, producer, and writer Sinclair Wheeler was signed as rapper MGK's guitarist for multiple tours. Wheeler went on to perform live as direct support during Nightmare's recent The Portal Tour and has collaborated, performed alongside, and touched hundreds of artists, industry figures, and fans along the way. A few has been heavily immersed, a few have been as heavily immersed in US electronic music culture as Black AM. Pair this with a lifelong devotion to music and you have the groundwork of something that will turn heads and stir souls. Black AM Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. What's going on? Um, so glad to have you, man. This is, uh, you know, Tony's been saying for, for at least weeks now that we need to get you on the show. And so uh, he introduced me to you and your music and told me just a couple things about your story, but I uh, was hoping that we could uh, get to know you a little bit and uh, learn who Black AM is as a, a DJ and artist and just share a little bit with our audience about what you do. Yeah, man. I love the opportunity to share anytime. Um, Hopefully I can give you guys the answers you guys are looking for. Maybe we can start just a little bit about uh, who, who Sinclair is and like where your musical influences come from. Like what, what got you interested in music in the first place? Um, probably performing first because I was just like completely obsessed with Michael Jackson from like the first thing I can remember is... Um, you know, watching Michael Jackson videos over and over and I would try to mimic him, which led me to doing talent shows. Um, but I always felt a very strong connection with music early. Um, and it was, it was more, um, you know, trying to learn what that was um, and how to harness it. Um, so, you know, by the time that I got, you know, in junior high and high school, I was very interested in like a lot of different avenues of music and I was trying to, you know, kind of start my journey then. Great. Uh, so just really quick, um, our other co-host Trip Turlington just, just joined us. Uh, Trip Turlington, this is Sinclair, also known as Black AM. Peace, brother. Fashionably late as usual. <laughs> Welcome aboard, buddy. Sinclair, Trip is the one that we need to get the stems to that we talked about a while ago. Uh, yes, 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 yes. That would be amazing. Yeah, man. Um, is, are you part of the Crystal Grid project or whatever? Uh, not part of that project, but I've I've done some pre, uh, some like uh, mixing mastering work for them. So yeah, yeah. Hey, okay, that's right. I'm the mixing mastering stuff. Nice. What up, dude? Very good to meet you. Very good to meet you. Nice to meet you. So does either either Sinclair or Tony want to tell the story about how you guys met? And I think that involved like the Steve Aoki show. I don't even know if Sinclair remembers that one or not. Um, <laughs> did, did he throw a cake? Did it involve a cake being thrown at you? No, it was funny because that's kind of where I started with, because when PSG started in Columbus, I was with Donnie at the time. And that's when they kind of started to merge. And we did this show with Steve Aoki at what we knew as the Red Zone. But um, at the time, it was Sugar Bar 2. 
And I'm up in the DJ booth and I'm like, who is this cheerleader right here for Steve Aoki? Because <laughs> I didn't know Sinclair at the time, you know? And uh, that's kind of my first. Um, but he, like, you could tell he was a performer. You know what I mean? Like, just the energy that he had, just, you know, doing what he did, why Steve performed and why everything else was going on. But we really kind of connected down in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, I believe, mm -hmm. with Electro Beach when we were down there with PSG. Mm -hmm. So were, were you playing the show the, at Electro Beach? Like, this, were you both playing that, or how did? What was the involvement there? The the relationship between you two? Um, I I was I went down as the stage manager, um, but also played like I played a a pool party, and then realized like I wasn't the one for the pool parties because I didn't play the EDM and the and the top forty songs at the time. Plus, I had to help produce a club show every day. So Sinclair started, you know. DJing and being the the pool party. Okay, and and Sinclair, what kind of what kind of uh, music would you be playing at the time? Electro I, Beach I, says something, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I went down as just the promotional. You know, I was I was doing promotions for Prime Social Group on a national scale. Um, so I went down gotcha. there just to kind of like oversee the ground work for promotions and to make sure handbills were getting in kids flyers and that people knew where Tiesto was playing at, et cetera. Got it. So at this point um, you weren't, you weren't involved in the music side yet. I was, I had, I had a lot of experience playing live with bands, you know, loop pedal sets, all that okay. kind of stuff. Um, this was my first foray into electronic music. I was just starting to get into it, but this was a massive event. We did a six-week music festival. I mean, it was it was we were in Puerto Vallarta for six weeks. <laughs> there was a shack. We had a beachy like twice, Tiesto like three times, like all the DJs you could think of. Um, and I had um, been in the industry, so I had a lot of close friends. And DJing, I knew was a calling of mine because I looked at it like another instrument. And I'm multi. I'm a multi-instrumentalist. Um, so I, I knew some super fucking dope DJs like DJ Wushu out in Denver um, and Action Jackson, who now in Indianapolis. Um, so I used to watch them and, and, and try to, you know, learn from these dudes that were great. So when I got to Electro Beach, I had been DJing for maybe, maybe six months or something. I don't know. I just was working so hard on the promotions of, of the event that I was digging into all the artists that were playing. So I really just had this library of all the songs from the DJs that we booked. It was like, I didn't have my own identity. I was just playing the songs of the kids that came down for it. Like, that, you know, it was just okay. like, so it, it just kind of made sense. And it was like, Tony had so much going on, but he was the only one who knew how to fucking plug in the equipment and stuff. <laughs> um, so I, can I cuss? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're yeah, fine. Yeah, you're, you're fine. fine. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for asking, just, but you're fine. I just kind of knew how to use Serato, but I didn't know how to like what RCAs and all that. I knew like quarter inches and like setting up drum mics. So okay. um, it, we, um, we, we ended up becoming really close. Him and Matt Herbers, who I still have a relationship with, um, we became close because we spent six weeks with each other. And, and, and you know, I'm someone who loves being a part even if i'm on the uh, um on the outside of an event that is for music i love being there and i love being a part of that and i love producing it so any way that i can be involved i, I would try to be involved and i think tony kind of appreciated that because i just had i was really eager and i was just trying to just 
get to know everybody and, uh, the right way and um, you know, learn while I was there as much as I could and, and get wasted. We got wasted a lot. also mentioned a, a Mac Miller show was that does that come in about uh, after yeah, sometime did, after Electro um, Beach uh, after we came back from Electro Beach um, we had a Mac Miller and Sinclair was still the national promotions director at the time and uh, we did Mac Miller at the Nutter Center so he would come in town every now and then and help me with the street team and you know going out to some of the clubs and and getting the word out about the Mac Miller show and just helped me with that whole side of things because mm -hmm. I was really the only one in town that facilitated the show but I didn't have the street team that just wasn't my forte that wasn't my thing I wasn't out there like that so um, Sinclair came in he, he lived in India at the time and um, a funny story, and I love telling this story. <laughs> so Sinclair drove from Indy. It was a day glow show that PSG that we were doing up in Columbus, and Sinclair had come to Dayton, and then I was driving from Dayton to Columbus, and I was playing a drum code mix, and Adam it was Adam Bayer drum code mix, <laughs> and. At the time, Sinclair was really into, you know, the, the EDM and was just kind of diving into the music, you know, like he said. And Adam Bayer comes on, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it was one of his sets and he said, smooth, minimal techno, you know, with a very minimal bass line. And Sinclair's like, yeah, minimal's right, like no bass line. You know, we just <laughs> kind of started laughing because it wasn't the EDM that he was used to, right. you know. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just, it, it was great, man. We spent a lot of time like that. And now fast forward and I start listening and seeing the stuff that he's posting and the music that he's producing now. And, you know, Sinclair, you can tell us about your experience of, you know, where you moved to and that whole scenario that kind of flipped your script on electronic music. Yeah, I mean, I so, you know, I loved all music and I was just, I wasn't hip yet. I didn't hear... Uh, the right thing at the right time, I guess, you know, you can only process and take in so much and sure. electronic music it, it specifically house is such a gigantic, beautiful genre, you know, and, and techno. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was getting kind of hit here and there, you know, Tony would try to put me on. I had a couple other homies that were putting me on. And obviously I loved Daft Punk at the time. And, you know, I, I didn't know the magnitude of what they did then but um i moved I, I i in indianapolis i had some friends that used to throw house shows and um we they started taking me up to chicago to spy bar to um because their friend anthony atala who's a friend of mine now and a mentor um he would play at spy bar all the time and, okay. and do parties etc so uh i went to anthony atala's uh dj uh, birthday 
Um, it was probably 2011 or 12. And he played for five hours. It was the first time I've seen a DJ go for five hours. <laughs> and I, everything made sense after that. He's, it was like a story. It was like he started somewhere. He went up there. He went up somewhere else. And he kept going up and down. And he closed it. And I really got a sense of what house music and techno was really about. So I started fucking going headfirst into that genre, um, you know, going out of town to go to events to see some of the bigger DJs. And it ultimately led me to moving to Chicago. Um, I got an opportunity because I used to do, be an open format DJ for, I became an open format DJ um, for a living after Machine Gun Kelly days because um, I, I wanted to stay in music and that was just a way to kind of stay in there while I figured out my next move. Um, so I, I, I was just DJing in Indianapolis as an open format guy and this company called Music Trust in Chicago, um, which books at like 40 different clubs and bars. Um, they caught wind of me because I played live guitar while I was DJing, but open format and I was playing like bottle service clubs and shit in Indy. So they started booking me on a, on the regular and I had a conversation with them like, yo, could I, could I possibly um you know move up to chicago could you guys put me on enough gigs that would like let me live here and they were like yo you're our favorite guy like, we'll give you as many gigs as you want please come up and so i got a residency at roof on the wit which at the time in chicago was a gigantic like it was like the place to be um not so much anymore um but uh, you know seven eight years ago it was so i moved to chicago which then allowed me to really figure out what the hell was going on with house music and i spent a lot of late nights and early mornings and warehouses and, and, you know, basements and big ass buildings watching Paul Johnson and Derek Carter and Gene Ferris and just like fell in love. And that'll do it. Yeah. And it was a wrap from there. Yeah. I lived in Chicago for four years. Um, and it was like, like as far as me as a producer it was the most instrument, like it was the biggest part of my production career so far, even though I wasn't even really producing yet. <laughs> So first, let me just say real quick that it, it makes me really happy to hear you say that about Anthony Atala because he, uh, he was also um, one of my early kind of regional influences because he, oh, yeah. Yeah, he didn't come down this way a lot, but he, um, he would play like Cleveland. and, and Yeah, he's like, like, he lived in Cleveland for a while. Yeah, yeah. So oh. I, I saw him like um, he opened for Tiesto once. And like I, I saw I would see him like with all these headlining acts um, and also uh, my friend Kenneth Thomas. Um, he would yeah. play with him sometimes, and so it, it that's really cool that you uh, to to hear that circle, you know, connect there. Dude, I um, chased him around for a long, a long time. Miami Music Week, you know, two years ago, probably like three years ago now, because um, I had to take a few years off of uh, chasing around house music DJs, okay. <laughs> getting acting on the mind and liver and et cetera. So, um, but yeah, like three years ago, maybe four, uh, I went to uh, six. Anthony Atala shows in a row and we just became best friends because, nice. you know, I would help him when I can. I, like I said earlier, I love just helping other musicians and artists do their thing and being, cause I understand where they're at. So I try to be a help and not in the way and people can appreciate that. I think sometimes. So we just became, you know, you know, really close in Miami, like three, four years ago. And, and uh, yeah, now I, now he's, a, now I can call him a mentor and a good friend for sure. That's great. If you're if you guys are still in contact, uh, yeah, send him our way. We'd love to talk to him as well. 
Cool, man. Yeah, I know. Everyone's just chilling at the crib right now. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's getting close, but yeah. So we we keep dancing around the uh, the Machine Gun Kelly thing. Yeah. How does that happen? How do you become a guitarist for, for Machine Gun Kelly? Yeah, I just, I, I, I'd gotten pretty okay at guitar. And, um, I, you know, like we were saying earlier, I was just kind of a natural born performer. Um, so I had, I had bands growing up, um, starting at 15 or 16, I started playing gigs as a singer songwriter. I love Dave Matthews and John Mayer and Jack Johnson. And I used to just play covers of their songs and write some songs. And, um, and then I got to college and I started having bands and it got up to where I had like a seven piece band at one point for a year and a half. And I was like, you know, we would cover like James Brown and Stevie Wonder and the Temptations. And I was also like writing songs. Um, so I have like a lot of content um, from like doing, you know, pretty dope venues and gigs. And I was working for Prime Social Group. We booked Machine Gun Kelly for a three show tour. Um, and it was such a small tour at the time. He was only like 3000 a show that Zach and Adam hit me up and they were like, yo, do you mind just producing this show and settling? It's such a small thing. Like, you know, you got it. I was like, fuck yeah, like easy. Um, and so by the third day, we were just all like homies. And I like jokingly was on the third day, was like, yo, if you ever need a guitarist, hit me up. Cause he just had a DJ and a drummer at the time. And he was like, shit, show me a video. And I was like, cool. I just pulled up YouTube on my phone and showed him like the, like my favorite solo I've ever played at Bluebird in, in Bloomington. And he hired me on the spot. And I got on the wow. score bus that night and my assistant, um, cause I always tore at that point I was traveling with my guitar all the time cause I still did band gigs sometimes. Wow, so, so you, you literally just hustled your way right into that. Just, hey, here's what I do. Here it is, bam, and, and you got it on the spot. That's that's incredible. It was in a Midwest small run, and then, like, literally the first show I played was a uh, Columbus, Ohio, LC Pavilion sold out with Mike Posner. Wow. <laughs> like, it was just like, and I didn't even, I knew he was, I knew he was, like, good, and I knew people were fucking with him because I was, we were in Iowa City and Champaign and Kansas City, like, you know, it's kind of smaller markets and he was doing well. But, bro, when we got to Ohio, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Everyone was screaming every word. And I was just like, it was like one of the most amazing moments of my life. I mean, I just was like, it was so much energy in a room that I was just like, <gasps> and um, yeah, so I, I rode that as long as I could, but. Um, you know, eventually got to the point where I like, I loved the opportunity and I love those are my brothers for life, but I wanted to kind of do my own thing. And I don't think that I was, I was trying to be someone's lead guitarist for the rest of my life. Mm. And I think that they, and I would though, like I, if anyone would be with Kels, cause like the community and like, he's just so fucking sick to me. But, um, I, you know, when we would have time off, everybody would go to Cleveland and stay with Kells and they would just party and, and you know, do their thing and, and work on their craft. I would just go on DJ tours and just go like to Chicago and Indianapolis and like, go like post, like, yo, check me out here. Like go and it, and, and it got to the point where they were like, I don't know if you want to be like some, a, a guitarist. And I was like, I want to be a guitarist for sure. But like, they're like, but like, not like just like a guitarist, like, and there is, uh, you know, maybe a small disconnect that happened because that whole movement is about ride or fucking die. And I think that they knew that I was kind of, even though I got it tattooed on me for life, like those are my brothers, they knew that me and the band probably wasn't going to be a forever thing. 
because everyone in that band right now is going to be in there for life. They're all badass and they play perfect with each other and they're going to, they're going to be able to retire off that project. You know, the band loves each other and they kill it. So it's a great opportunity. I just kind of had aspirations for just like a little more. I know it sounds fucking crazy. No, not at all. So is that where the name or the persona or the brand of black AM came in was, was after that and the desire to, to create, something on your own or were you already using that name by then no i was not the name is 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 just like two three years old um so after the mgk thing i started djing very seriously and um i was playing you know four to six days a week in indianapolis and then trying to expand my brand and djing in a whole any city that i could um i became a very popular dj in indy and so i started making a living off that and but I always wanted more. I wanted I, I knew I was looking for more, but I was still trying to get the crack of DJing down. Um, so when I thought I had, you know, I could DJ DJ, um, I, I made the decision that I wanted to like learn how to produce. So I was in love with house music at the time. So I moved to Chicago specifically to like obviously, you know, DJ at the spots, but I went up there to learn how to produce. So I got a music studio, home music productions, and I got busy. And every single guy that I could get to my music studio, because I had all my instruments there. If you were a musician, musician, you wanted to come to my studio because it was just like lit. Mm. It was like every instrument you could ever want plus decks. So um, I would bring bigger DJs that were coming into town because everyone goes to Chicago um, over to my studio. And, you know, one guy specifically, you know, John 12th Planet, who's a friend of mine, um, he would just come over there and just spend so long with me and let me ask the same question over and over. Like what's OTT do? What's OTT do? Like, you know, like asking the same shit over and over. And like, he just would, was patient with me and I learned a lot from him. So basically um, I have a lot of friends in the music industry on the white collar side um, that are agents and, and, and managers and et cetera. And so I had an idea of, what what you need to do to kind of break into the electronic music lane um so i my my brother will runzel who's a manager um of of a lot of prominent djs in electronic music right now um he just kind of built this model for me like yo write 10 songs and then uh we'll go from there so i wrote the first 10 songs i let my ace dj wushu here in denver because he like has that creative mind that just he can name projects very easy i don't know thing for him it's cool and weird um but he uh he, he we were just chilling and i was like yo like i need to name this project let's go you know what time it is and he's like yeah this shit sounds like four or five in the morning like and i was like okay so should i just like call it four or five a.m and he's like no i call it like you know darker black a.m and i was like thanks al like that's exactly what i needed um so that was like three years ago um i and then you know it was a history it was just it was a wrap from there once i got the name i really just dug in scrapped the first 10 songs, wrote another 10, and then, you know, started getting into the industry. Take care of the cash cow. 
Penthouse suite at the top of the mound. Ah, we take care like a cash cow. And so you're, and so that, um, so Black AM is is primarily focused in uh, Chicago style house music, um, I assume. But do you, how far outside of that do you go? I mean, is there any, you know, Detroit techno that comes in, or what? What else do you pull from? You know, I it's just, I just it's my own take on house music. It's it's tech house, I guess, at its base is like tech house. <clears throat> you know, um, because there's elements of uh, of techno um, when we're talking about the drums and buildups and stuff. But, you know, it's still four to the floor house and yeah. like, you know, it's, it's driving. So it's not like on the back end. Um, and I refuse to leave my guitar behind. So like every record has like guitar all over it. Okay. So um, it's it's is it's that part like, of your live show? Yeah. Yeah. Like my my first tour with Nightmare. Um, you know, I, I, I have my guitar with me every show. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult to find other people that were doing what I'm doing as far as genre with live instrumentation. That's why I thought it would be a, a good, a good thing to keep. Um, I used to watch Boombox and big gigantic and be like, if I ever become a fucking electronic producer and DJ, I'm definitely keeping my instrument. So um, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's Chicago influenced um, as much as I love Detroit, you know, um, it's, it's, it's just my own take on like, you know, tech house and, and house music. And when you're playing in front of people, um, what kind of, you, you know, with your music, what kind of um, emotions or feelings or reactions are, you know, what, what are you aiming for? What are you trying to get out of people when you're performing live? Is it, I just is it wanna, party time? Is it, you know, some other kind of emotional connection? Yeah, I just want to, I just want to give people the feeling that I get when I'm, when I'm listening to music. <laughs> so, you know, you can't force, you know, um, people to respond. It's something that happens naturally. And, you know, whether you got your eyes closed and two, just going back and two-stepping or, 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 you know, uh, break dancing or jumping up and down or rail riding, I don't give a shit. Like I, I just, people getting high off music and reacting off music in any way that sees fit for them is why I do this. And that's why I love music. I, I know current events have, have probably really thrown a wrench in the works here, and, and we've kind of avoided talking about that up until this point. But um, events of 2020 aside, I mean, you know, what did you have or what do you have kind of coming down the pike uh, tour-wise, upcoming releases? You know, what uh, what's coming down the pike for Black AM? Yeah, so the plan was, um, you know, first and foremost, have 10 songs finished. So... You know, 10 songs are, you know, done. And in January is when I released my first song. And we lined that up with going on a 50-city tour with a dude named Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically while I was on tour... Dude named Nightmare. Some like, guy. <laughs> That's my brother, man. I, 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 we did the tour in 
basically we were just like, this is the biggest opportunity for a new artist ever. So <laughs> you, we need to make sure that we have a plan in place that is not just like a short-term thing, like we're looking into the future and try to have a structured plan. So the plan was just to release a song once a month, release all 10 songs throughout 2020. And while I'm doing that, you know, look for another opportunity to go on maybe one more tour, but really just focus on getting these songs released on schedule, getting a catalog of music online and me to continue writing and pushing the, the black AM sound forward. So um, I have a song coming out every month until October and um, the next one comes out on Saturday um, and um, it's called So Electric. It's my like baby. It's my favorite song that I'm going to release today. It perfectly encompasses what the hell I'm trying to do with Black AM, um, you know, and um, we're putting a lot of a lot of energy behind this one. So hopefully it does really well. So we had another, uh, you know, fish on the pole for another tour um, in August. It was gonna be like club dates with this DJ who's so sick that I love, um, but Corona, bruh. So um, that, since it never got confirmed, I probably don't feel comfortable even saying who it was because I maybe want that op later down the line. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, you know, the, the idea of getting back on the road ASAP is obviously um, sounds sounds great, but I'm obviously down to be patient because I've been hunkered down, never played this much music, and practiced this my instruments this much in my life. I'm like just going like I've just been going like a madman while we're at home being creative. So whenever we can get back out there, I'm gonna be even sharper. So you know, I, you know, the longer we stretch, you know, the more I'm gonna you know get better at my craft. So I'm not tripping too much. Yeah. I've got to say, I'm really into it, man. I really dig what you're putting down. I really, I really dig the, 
those bouncing bass lines, and I really appreciate that you're putting the uh, the musician the musicianship side of it into it with the you know the instrumentalism and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, really appreciate what you're what you're putting down, man. And uh, thank you, man. Thank you. I was uh, very set on doing something that's me. I did when I first learned how to produce. I did not have to sit down and say, "Someone teach me how to make this sound or sound like this artist," because I know that that's not sustainable. It's that's yeah. if you want to sound like everybody else, you're going to have a, sh- a short shelf life. So um, I want to be around for a long time and inspire and, and, you know, touch people. So I thought the best way to do that was to just stick to my guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you've been very generous with your time. I know you, you have to go very soon. Um, Tony or anybody else in the room, uh, any other questions, any other stories you want to bring up, Tony, or anything else before? Please, we Tony, just chill. I think we could probably... <laughs> I don't think we need story time. I'm not gonna give, <laughs> come on. I'm not gonna give any stories. No, not at all. Just um, <laughs> glad that music brought us together, man. You know, yes, man. Um, it, it's dope, and it's it's cool to see that you've you've networked yourself. You know what I mean, all the way through, and you've grinded and you've hustled, man. You've been a hustler since I've known you, and I got a long way to go, but I'm gonna keep pushing as hard as I can. You know what I'm saying? That's all we can do. Yeah, trip, Mo. Yeah, I have had the pleasure of um. Tony takes me along uh, on some of these shows to help him backstage. And one of the shows, we actually worked with MGK and Nightmare. And of all the shows that Tony's taken me to work, those have got to be the two coolest cats I've ever come across. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, which one is cooler if you had to pick one to be like on your zombie squad? <laughs> yeah, like it's just like two completely different vibes. It's just Kells is the definition of a rock star and he's i swear to god you guys he's not trying that's just that's just what comes out (laughs) and um as much as he's like toned down to like maybe like jim morrison like 80s rock and roll getting wasted kind of vibe he's just increased on the like movie roles and unbelievable music thing to like push that rock star persona further in like a dope way um, so he was, um, a, it was a very, um, it was a very big party. <laughs> um, we would give it everything we had on stage and then just get, you know, wasted and just like, you know, live that, live that life. But we still love what we were doing. It was all about the music. Um, but you know, we would just have a lot of fun and and kind of pull some of the 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 pages from rock and roll history um with tyler and nightmare it it was about like like working every single person was working on their craft all day and night like nobody i yes we like smoked weed and chilled and kicked it and played like switch and video games sometimes but like a lot of the times everyone had their computer open producing (laughs) it was like effing company say my name all of them like everyone i was the only person on the entire tour but all these people kept coming on and i'm now friends with all these people but um everybody was just trying to get better every day and i think that kels and them are on that now because you can hear it in their music but when i was playing for him he was still coming up and it was it was more about like like work hard play harder you know (laughs) nightmare and then you know we might we might have a couple beers or whatever but we were never going to after parties and strip clubs 
And, you know, that kind of shit. It was like, we were like tucked up in the bus, like asleep at 2 a.m., you know, and, and then like everyone's waking up in the morning and like after eating and getting like to it, like they're working on music. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that Tony usually has me do is like coordinate with the security. And mm-hmm. I just remember thinking about MGK, like he was there so long before his set. I forgot he was there. Yeah, just like, like was, drinking was, in the room, just just walking amongst the people, taking yeah. selfies and everything. I was like, "This has got to be one of the coolest cats I've ever met." Yeah, dude, he's really got it. I I I knew on those first three dates um, that he's gonna be a legend. I was like, "This dude is is giving it hundred and ten percent with no backtrack. He wasn't rapping over his own songs. He was just rapping, rapping." And it was fire. And I was just like, this dude is going to be around for a long time. And everything that happens to him, I'm not surprised. And and everything that's happened to Tyler in the seven years I've known him with Nightmare, I'm not surprised because their work ethic and also they just they just have that thing. They're both just amazing humans. But, you know, I got a lot more sleep on the Nightmare tour. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. And, yeah, fun fact, MGK is the only rapper to ever win on Showtime at the Apollo. Yeah, I know. He's a, he's, he's, that was like when he was 18 years old. That Diddy signed him like three months later. Something like that. Nice. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Sinclair, I thank you so much for spending some time with us. Before you go, please, please share with our audience all the plugs. Where can they listen to your amazing music and follow you on social media and all of the things? Yeah, so um, my website's IamBlackAM.com, and like so my socials are all the same thing. It's at IamBlackAM.com. Um, so my music's everywhere. Um, um, come check me out, hopefully when we get things back going. Um, and my next song is coming out June 13th. It's called So Electric. I'm so excited about it. Um, it'll be on every single ma- uh, music platform. So whatever you guys use, SoundCloud or Spotify, Apple Music, um, it's Black AM, I am Black AM on socials, and um, yeah, let me know what y'all think, you check it out. He is Black AM, make sure your friends are okay, and keep on spinning. Woo! Love you guys, thank you. Thank you. Trip, you got it in. <laughs> That's the first podcast I think I've never heard you not even say anything. <laughs> Well, it was like it was one of those things where I was like, okay, yeah, I've got I've got a story or I've got something that I can connect with there or there or there, but it just kept on moving. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna like you know grind the gears to a halt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially like I was checking out his music today, like mm-hmm. that, that track that he did with uh, Matsu, Deary. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Holy shit. I played that on repeat for like half an hour straight. <laughs> <laughs> trying to break, trying to trying to dissect it and break it apart. Yeah, it's good shit. Yeah, man, he's dope. He's good people.